Hello, good people. It is yours truly, Rashawn Ali. Welcome to another edition of the Cool Soror Podcast. Today, we are joined by another Cool Soror of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Yes, Dr. Katina Davis Kennedy. She is a family nurse practitioner, health educator, and fitness advocate who started her career in 2003 and has never wavered in her effort to teach people about good health. And I love this woman's spirit. We get into some deep talk about sex, too. You hear me? Oh, yes. It gets really good. So please enjoy The Big Three with Dr. Katina. You know you gotta be a cool soror to talk to the cool soror herself. I'm a cool soror. Hey, y'all. I am a cool soror of What's up, y'all? I'm a cool soror of Hi, I am a cool soror of Podcast hosted by me, Rashawn Ali. It is another edition of the Cool Sora Podcast. Happy to be back with you today. Uh, we are joined by a beautiful woman who is affectionately known as Dr. Katina because she just speaks it like it is. And she is joining us on the Cool Sora Podcast. Welcome to the show. And you are a Cool Sora of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Hello, Dr. Katina. How are you, ma'am? I'm great. Such a pleasure to be speaking with you today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's always uh, equally a pleasure to talk to the good folks. And so we can, uh, you know, tell your story and you can tell your story and in hopes of, of helping someone else. You never know. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Tell me a little bit about your, your upbringing and how Fort Lauderdale shaped the woman that you are today. Yes, yes. So I've been through quite a few struggles, but I'm here where I am today and I'm proud of it. I was born and raised in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I did grow up in the inner city um, where, you know, high school dropouts was definitely prevalent in uh, my community. However, I was raised by my grandmother. Um, My mother was involved as well, um, but my grandmother gave me that, that good, strong foundation I needed to continue my education and graduate high school. Right, right. And so were you immediately drawn to um, the medical profession, like from a young age? Did you know you wanted to help people? Like, when did you know? Actually, yes. Um, Unfortunately, um, my grandfather, he had a stroke when I was very young. I think I was around 10 or 11 years old. And he was he had a stroke and just being able to help him through his daily activities. And um, also my best friend from middle school she she had juvenile diabetes so I had to give her insulin shots and um it was it was fun for me but I also enjoyed just helping her Mm -hmm. I really had a great feeling when I used to be able to help her give her her insulin shots I would talk to her and say okay you know you can't eat this and Mm -hmm. eat that you know so that was good that I was able to educate her and she allowed me to as well so that encouraged me and then but you know what really and just being surrounded by unfortunately family members that um, they suffered from obesity related chronic conditions such as diabetes high blood pressure high cholesterol glaucoma and um, that really affected me and I said you know what I want to educate people on health and healthy living and I want to take care of people so that I can educate them and just tell them what they need to do to maintain a healthy, quality life. Because I noticed how it affected my family, right. my 
grandfather, my best friend, my cousins, my uncles, my dad, my mom. It really affected us. And um, that's why I chose that healthy living. Yes, that is beautiful. And so you made your way up to our amazing uh, alma mater, Florida A&M University, who has a great nursing program, but it's not easy to get into. So uh, tell us about that and how you were able to uh, land this amazing program and then obviously benefit from it. Yes, definitely. I mean, my um, grand- grandmother, she went to Bethune. Uh-oh. However, my <laughs> however, my grandfather went to uh, FAMU. But still, you know, that HBCU experience, I really wanted to experience that. And, um, and I noticed that they had an amazing nursing program. They were definitely one of the top nursing programs in the country. So I had no doubt that I definitely wanted to attend Florida A&M University. And um, I I continued my undergrad, you know, degree in, in nursing, and it was just an amazing, it was hard to get in. You had to study, you had to take time and um, really focus on nursing, but it was very rewarding. It's something that I enjoyed. So I got my undergraduate degree at Florida a University, my bachelor's of nursing. And then I went on to achieve my master's degree in nursing. And that's where I became a family nurse practitioner. And that way I'm able to now take care of patients on an advanced level. I'm not sure if you all are familiar with the nurse practitioner, but we function similar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask that. What's the difference? Like, tell us the difference between, you know, an RN or, you know, nurse practitioner. Tell us the difference. Yes. So a registered nurse, they, they follow the orders of the doctors, uh, whether whatever setting that they're in. That can be in a hospital setting. That can be in a doctor's office. However, the nurse practitioner, we function similar to the medical uh, doctor in that the patient comes in and they see us. We can prescribe medication. We order uh, tests for them. We order treatments for them. And um, you know, we're involved more in the care. We have that autonomous medical care that we can provide for the patient. So it's amazing to be able to take care of the patient, whether they come in for a physical exam, whether they're coming in because they're sick, I'm able to provide that total quality care for the patient. And I work in the family practice office. So I work in family practice and gynecology. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm able to take care of the whole person, men, women, teens, and and children, of course. And so obviously that's a level of education that had to be extended, uh, I guess, further than it would for a registered nurse. Exactly. Um, for a registered nurse, you you can be you can get your bachelor's or your associate's degree. Uh, associate's degree is the two year, and you can become a registered nurse after two years, okay. or you can go on to achieve your bachelor's in nursing, which is a four year degree. And then for nurse practitioner, you would have to get your master's in nursing, and that's a that's two more years after your undergrad. And now um, a lot of times, a lot of programs have implemented that that need for um, having to have your doctorates in nursing practice to become a nurse practitioner, which is another four years. So there's some changes going on in nursing. However, it's a wonderful, wonderful career. And I love it because you can work in so many different areas. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you started off, uh, you served actually as a registered nurse for four years years in the medical surgical trauma field and critical care unit. Let's go back there. How, you know, I'm always amazed by uh, folks in the medical field because 
you all have to see and do so much. How do you not break down every day? Yes, you know, our focus is providing care for the patient, um, whichever level that they're in. And when they're in that critical care stage, you definitely have to be there for them. Uh, You have to be there for the family members as well. But just being able to take care of the patient, give them their medications. You also provide, you know, hope for the patient, encouragement for the patient. So it's just that holistic care that we as nurses provide. And just working in the critical care area, it's it was an amazing amazing and amazing um, opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure as you were preparing to to become a nurse practitioner, what did that level of being one-on-one with those types of patients, how did it help you become the, the nurse practitioner that you are today? Oh, yes. It provided me with the skills necessary. You have to be patient. You have to know time management skills. You have to be able to uh, incorporate different aspects of care. Education was important. So it definitely provided me with necessary tools such as just being patient, um, being there for the patient, being an advocate for the patient. It taught me how to be a patient advocate, how to be a health educator, how to um do partake in time management. So just being able to participate in critical care and and nursing in general, it definitely prepared me to become a nurse practitioner. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there, we all have these moments in our lives that could either break us or make us stronger. And when you had a, a really bad car accident and you suffered from back spasms, nerve pain, depression, PTSD, take, take me back there and how you were able to overcome because you, not only did you have physical, physical pain, but obviously this was a lot to deal with mentally. Definitely. So I was in a a terrible car accident some years ago and just being physically active and being the one to encourage others to stay fit and to live a healthy lifestyle. Once I had that accident, that actually it didn't paralyze me, but it really stopped me from uh, maneuvering in life the way that I was used to maneuvering. Um, I'm used to exercising. I'm used to being active. And when I couldn't, when I was not able to be as active as I'm used to, I definitely, it affected me mentally. And that's when I entered into the depression stage um, because endorphins really, when you exercise, oh, yeah. endorphins and that's what gives you that energy that's what gives you that drive that's what helps you sleep better at night that's what keeps your metabolism going so just going through that incident where um, you know I was just feeling sad I didn't feel right I was feeling depressed and down my husband's like wait a minute this isn't you you know you're always the energetic person and you know all giddy and excited and you know you you'll get back to that he was just saying don't let it affect you mentally And um, of course, you know, it affects us when the depression sets in, it affects us sexually as well. Mm -hmm. So not being able to, you know, not wanting to participate in sexual activities with my husband, you know, that took a toll on our relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's an amazing man. He stayed strong. He stayed encouraging and um, patient as well. Um, So he, you know, really just spoke with me and he gave me an ultimate. He was like, look, mm -mm." (laughs) mm-mm. This has to change. You cannot continue to be like this because this isn't who I married. So just through his conversation, his encouragement, it really, you know, encouraged me to get out of this. I did get psychological therapy. Oh, good. I was going to ask that. Yeah. 
Yeah, which which is very important. Um, I didn't have to get to the point where I had to take medications, but I think that 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 therapy is so important for anybody that's going through depression. So if you are experiencing depression, make sure you get uh, therapy because it really helped me and it can help you definitely change your life. So after after just having, you know, that incident, being paralyzed, just staying positive. Mental is so important, Rashawn. Yeah. And it, on our health, healthy, health, healthy living or just health in general, mental is so important. It can affect us. A lot of my patients who come in and they're depressed, you know, they complain of pain. They complain of can't concentrate. They can complain of fatigue. So mental, we have to strengthen our mental along with our physical as well. Uh, so I was able to do that through therapy and um, over time that neuropathy those muscle spasms that I experienced it um, improved and I was able to get back active get back to exercising I had to take my time I you know I couldn't get back to the boot camp you know like I was doing (laughs) before but you know I was able to do some Pilates some yoga but that within itself helped strengthen my muscles my nerves healed yes and uh, I was able to come back better and stronger than ever. That is, that is, that is, I'm glad to hear that. And I'm glad you, you know, obviously are here to tell the story. It's, it's funny that you say that I had been experiencing some back pain. I don't know how it happened. I had to have an MRI, have physical therapy and all of this stuff. And before we were about to go on vacation from Sister Circle, my back started feeling better. It started feeling better. And I'm like, oh my God, was that stress induced? Like my back problems. So talk to us a little bit about the how your body will physically tell you that you're stressed, even though you don't believe that you're stressed mentally. Yes, definitely. A lot of, as I mentioned, you know, your mental really affects your, affects you physically. And when you get to the point where you're making errors on the job, when you get to the point where you're agitated, snappy, um, you know, not as patient as you used to, when you get to the point where you're not sleeping well, when you're aching all over or even swelling, sometimes swelling can occur as well. It's time for you to take a break. It's time for you to take a break. Listen to your body. Also, some persons, they'll start getting colds. They'll mm-hmm. start getting infections. Uh, so our body will definitely tell us. And that's why I always tell patients some of the key lifestyle things that you need to implement. And that's for our, our leaders, our entrepreneurs, those in high positions. Key things you must incorporate in your daily lifestyle. You have to get sleep, Rashawn. Yes. And without that sleep, it's it really affects us. <laughs> Some people come in, oh, I, I I can't focus on my work or I'm not able to concentrate. Yes, that's because you're not sleeping. Oh, I'm feeling tired all the time, draggy. I don't feel don't I have lack of energy. You have to get your seven to eight hours of sleep. That's mm. so important. So sleep is important. Also, drinking your water, getting at least a gallon of water a day or, you know, there's a couple recommendations. You can um, your body weight in ounces. That's the amount of you should be drinking a day as well. Also, eating regularly. I have a lot of patients that just skip their meals Mm. and how, how they always tell patients eat to refuel eat to refuel. Just imagine how are you running or doing things, you know, taking care of others when you're not providing your body with nourishment, with nutrients that you need. So water, getting sleep, um, implementing, you know, eating healthy, 
also, also very important. You have to have sex as well. Okay. <laughs> okay. Kidding, but, you know, just in, in all reality, you have to take time out for you. You yes. have to implement me time. So that's what I mean by that. Yes. But that can be anything, of course. Yes, have sex. Okay. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that made me laugh. That's awesome. But it does. It's it's crazy because I know it's a podcast. They, my, my listeners, they know I'm very transparent. But when it's been a minute and, and you, you could tell my husband getting, you know, just, just nasty, just about, just mad about everything. You give him a little piece of something. You could do though. You could do anything. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, it affects it. especially men when they don't get sex. Oh my gosh, you oh, can tell. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I can definitely tell the difference with my husband. Okay, so let's talk about the big three BCB. I know that's really important to you. What does that entail? Yes, so about a year ago, I've been on social media for a while providing health awareness, health education to a lot of people. However, just over the past year, um, I've started this Know Your Health Status campaign. And the reason I started that is because preventative care is so important. A lot of people just go to the doctor's office when they are not feeling well. But I encourage people to go and get their preventative screenings done. They Mm -hmm. have to know their BCB, which is the big three. That's blood pressure, that's cholesterol, and your blood sugar. Blood pressure. A lot of people are walking around because remember, high blood pressure is asymptomatic, meaning no symptoms. You don't feel when you have high blood pressure. A lot of people are walking around with high blood pressure, and Rashawn, they don't know they have it. And they're days away from a stroke or from from a heart attack. You have to know your blood pressure. Cholesterol, that's the part that will clog the arteries of the heart. Mm. (laughs) You don't feel when your cholesterol is elevated. So how do you know? You have to go get your blood checked. You have to get your physicals once a year. And then also blood sugar, that'll tell you if you have diabetes. All right. So and, and as we know, diabetes affects our kidneys. That's how some pers- how some persons are on dialysis. Yeah. It affects our eyes. It affects our feet. That's why some people have to have their limbs removed, amputation. So that BCB, those are the main, there's a lot of things in, in that encompass in your health care, but those are the main three things you need to know your numbers. Because if you're, if you don't, that's just like if you don't know your HIV status, mm-hmm. you don't know your status, you know, you, a lot of things you can prevent if, you know, or you can treat it or manage it before it gets out of control, before you have to go on medications. Yeah. Why would you want to go? when guess what if you had come in a year ago and we saw your blood sugar numbers creeping up we could have implemented diet exercise and then the next year you've come in guess what you don't have the diabetes you know we prevented that from occurring so that know your health status campaign i'm big on that the big three you have to know those numbers i'm sorry yeah those numbers for the blood pressure cholesterol blood sugar know your health status where do you want to where do you want the campaign to grow to 
Yeah, I mean, my ultimate my ultimate dream is really to provide health awareness, education, and necessary tools for persons on a national level. So television, radio, social media. That's why I'm grateful for this opportunity to be able to come on and speak with your audience about the importance of knowing their health status. If I can get on TV and do this, this would be amazing. <laughs> right. I've had persons that have inboxed me and they said, you saved my life, Dr. Katina. Wow. You know what? I, Because I'm blood on, on um, social media, I have Blood Pressure Tuesdays. So on Blood Pressure Tuesdays, my followers, they're challenged to go into a pharmacy and check their blood pressure. And I've had quite a few people to inbox me and say, you saved my life. My blood pressure was in the stroke range. Oh, my goodness. I had to go to the hospital. I was, I was near a stroke. But because you reminded me that I needed to check my blood pressure or you reminded me that I needed to know my health status, that's that's encouraging. That's encouraging, Rashawn. And it, it makes me feel so good yeah, inside. That that's awesome. That is really, really amazing. Um, so in two thousand ten you became a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Did Delta Sigma Theta choose you or did you choose Delta Sigma Theta? Ah, I chose Delta Sigma Theta, then in return they definitely chose me. Yes. And I was <laughs> I was so elated that you know I I've always wanted to be a part of Delta. Um, I, I I did it on a graduate level um, when I was in undergrad. They didn't have a line during the time like mm-hmm. that that I was able to um, join the great sorority. However, I did it in a graduate level because it, it was something that I was passionate about. Right. I mean, I've always been active in my community, and we're big on community service, mm-hmm. giving back. Um, educating. And of course, I was chair of the Adolescent Health Committee for several years. Of course. I joined. <laughs> you, 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 you know, you get in and you can work your passion yes. in what field that you're in. And then I actually stepped out a little bit. I actually was a journalist a couple years. Um, that's when I learned more about public relations and I was writing articles on the amazing things that we was doing at the Broward County Alumni Association of um, chapter of Delta Sigma Theta. <laughs> nice. That's fantastic. And we share the same number. You're number 11. So am I. Oh, awesome. Yes. yes. Good stuff. Good stuff. So I'm really glad. Are you still that you said you stepped away for a little bit, but you're still active in your chapter now. Yes, definitely. I'm still active, still financial. Yes. Um, I'm just not chair, but you know, <laughs> you know, you step down a little bit and and uh, focus on you know family a little bit more and just some of the personal goals that I have. But mm-hmm. Delta Sigma Theta is a lifestyle lifetime commitment, and I'm committed for life. Absolutely, as we should all be for our sororities. We took the oath. We made the pledge, and that's what we should be doing throughout our lifetime. Um, so you've been awarded many things throughout your career, but in 2015, um, you received the high distinction of the 25 most influential black women in business and industry. What did that make you feel like? Oh, I, it made me feel amazing because just being, you know, I, I don't do this for recognition. Honestly, I do it again because it's I feel like it's my purpose and then it's my fa- my passion as well. So just being able to educate others about having a healthy mind, body and lifestyle so that they can increase their quality of life mentally and physically is what 
is is amazing. That's my purpose. And just being, just seeing that others recognize how passionate I am and, and my works in the community, it really, really made me feel amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I was nominated. You had to be nominated. I still don't know who nominated me, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I was nominated and I was chosen. And that, that, that moment, I just knew that my, my purpose was greater than just the four walls of my office. You know, mm-hmm. it was, more, I needed to get out there. I needed to educate more, more people. And I'm excited. One of my, my videos went viral on Facebook. So I have about 40,000 followers on Facebook. Oh my goodness. That's fantastic. Yes. And and at that moment I I felt really great because now I had a bigger audience and I could educate more people um, about health. So that's, that was really, really great that that happened. And it was on a topic called bacteria vaginosis, which is very common in a lot of women. And, and of course, women's health is my passion as Mm -hmm, well. mm -hmm. um, Cause I work in a gynecologist's office. And um, so just being able to educate women on normal infections and things that we go through sexually uh, is, is very rewarding. Yeah. I mean, we got time to talk about that now. So uh, yeah. So (laughs) What is it that what, what are some of the complaints that you get or what's what are some of the topics that are kind of recurring topics when it comes to women and sex and their partners? Yeah. So when it comes to um, on Wednesdays, I have a healthy sex topic Wednesday. And so I've, I get some inboxes from from people and some of the common topics that I've covered um, that I have on YouTube is number one, vaginal dryness. Mm-hmm. I have some women that don't, um, they don't naturally get lubricated. So I give them some tips on how to increase their vaginal lubrication naturally, of course. Mm-hmm. And, and also, uh, just painful sex. Sometimes women experience pain with sex. Also bacteria vaginosis, yeast infections, that's very common. So I've done a master class actually that I had about a hundred people to join in, which was great. Yeah. And I talked to them on some ways to help prevent recurrent bacterial vaginosis and yeast infections mm-hmm. because those are two common vaginal infections that we as women get. I've also Yeah, I was about to I've, I was about to ask, are some women more prone and why to to back back to your vaginosis? When I was swimming a lot because I grew up a swimmer, went to college on swimming scholarship, I would have them more. But I can't tell you the last time I had one, you know, in my adult yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, since yeah. then. It, it's, it's, it's a lot of variables. And in my master class, I'll talk more about those. But it's all about the pH of the vagina. So when the pH is altered, that definitely causes the overgrowth of the bad bacteria or the yeast. And that can come from our diet as well. Mm-hmm. So if you have a, a sugar that's high in diet, I'm, I'm sorry, a diet <laughs> high in sugar, <laughs> that can definitely cause frequent yeast infections because your body is feeding off the sugar yeah. and yeast love sugar. So, um, and then of course we, we, re- we recommend wearing cotton underwear because when you're moist, yeast loves to grow in heat and moisture. So if you mm-hmm. sweat a lot mm-hmm. or, you know, you're in the, uh, you're swimming a lot, then that can definitely cause recurrent yeast infections. Also, if if you're having sex and your partner ejaculates inside of you frequently, the sperm 
actually causes the alteration of the pH. And some women get that recurrent bacterial vaginosis or yeast infections every time they have sex. So there are so many different things. And and that's why I'm passionate about educating because it can be frustrating. I have some patients that come in monthly and they get this recurrently and it interferes with their sex life. And, um, so my goal is to help educate them on some ways that they can help prevent the recurrent yeast and bacterial infection. Yeah. And another common topic that I've talked about in the past was um, masturbation, excessive masturbation. Sometimes that interferes with the ability to masturbate vaginally during intercourse. A lot of women, they when they, they when they have the clitoris stimulation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they, they have the, they can ejaculate that way. They can have the orgasm that way. However, during penetration with the penises inside of the vagina, they, they, they have a hard time having an orgasm that way. So sometimes masturbation can affect that as well. What? So I've talked Whoa. about, <laughs> oh, wait, okay, 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 okay. I've talked about so many different topics uh, when it comes to <laughs> women's health, men's health, and just common things that we experience as humans in general. Oh my goodness. Yes, honey. You So, okay. <laughs> okay really quickly so obviously with the clitoral stimulation and with the penis being inside the vagina and the different types of ejaculation like so why does one happen without the other or like how can you achieve both Yes, definitely. So my next master class, I actually talk about HPV, mm-hmm. um, which is human papillomavirus, which is very common. I talk about genital herpes, which is very common as well. And I talk about sexual techniques that actually help um, women have vaginal um, penetration orgasms. Uh, it's sometimes it's mental. Uh, it can be physical as well. Sometimes the the partner is not you know, hitting the particular spot Mm -hmm. that elicits that some women, they masturbate a lot. So when, and they, when they masturbate, they do more clitoris stimulation, meaning they just stimulate their vagina, their clit Mm -hmm. while they're, you know, um, with the, either a vibrator or their finger. Mm -hmm. And, um, when they stimulate, that's how they have their orgasm. So it's hard for them to have an orgasm. Right. um, pen of vaginal penetration. So wow. sometimes it's mental, sometimes it's physical. Uh, the penis has to hit that spot. The woman has to be relaxed too. A lot of times the woman is tense, like they're thinking about different things. So you really have to. And I and I and I also tell patients to, you know, explore yourself. There's nothing wrong with masturbating. But you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to be excessive with it. But you want to know how orgasm feels as well. So mm. play with with a toy um, to, you know, practice and just see where your spot is. So when you do have that vaginal penetration, you'll be able to know where to guide your partner at, you know, so that you can have that vaginal Wow. Orgasm. Wow. So there's growth in your sexual life, even after 16 years of marriage. Yes, of course. You got it. You got it. There's <laughs> And you have to keep thinking about some things. I've been with my husband uh, since 99. We've been married for 11 years. Mm-hmm. So you definitely got to keep, you know, thinking some things to spice it up and, and just communicate with each other. That's so important. Communicating with each other, um, your do's and your don'ts. You know, I tell people you shouldn't ever have a bad sexual experience. If mm-hmm. you have a bad sexual experience, that means you didn't talk to your your um, partner. Yeah. <laughs> 
didn't tell your partner what you like or what you didn't like. You just went with the flow. Yeah. How did you communicate? You, your, your sexual experience should be amazing every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's good. Okay. That's a good note. And so you, you obviously you have a book uh, you wrote in 2016 or probably wrote it before, but it was released in 2016. Let's talk about sex and STDs, a guide to prepare parents for the talk and student education I mean, and student edition. And I'm going to have to get this book because obviously I have an 11 year old daughter and we've had a good initial talk, like a really good one. I mean, she was, she was, I was very happy with that. But what would you say to parents like me who want to take the conversation to the next level? And do you believe the earlier, the better, or what's the best age? You have to do it early and, 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 and you have to do it more so in the preteens. I'm so glad you had that conversation with your daughter. Yes. Because unfortunately, um, parents are afraid to talk to their child Mm -hmm. or, I mean, it can be the other way around as well. The mm-hmm. teens are afraid to talk to their parents because, you know, their parents might get upset. Right, you know, right. No parents. So, you know, in the book, I tell the parents on, you know, ways to help talk to your kids. You have to be open. Think about when you were a teenager. Yeah, my mama um, didn't say nothing to me. That was the problem. <laughs> And that's why I wrote this book, because, you know, we need to stop letting social media educate our our kids. We need to stop letting their friends give the wrong information. Mm -hmm. I had one teenager come in and say, oh, I had sex in the pool. I can't get pregnant. Right. You know, and. And, you know, that's lack of education. So I definitely had to educate her on some things. But um, you have to educate the child in their preteens. So it has to be before they hit middle school. So it can happen in my book. I say as early as nine to 10 years old. Oh, my. And why? The reason why? Because by the time they get to middle school, I don't know about in other states, but when I did my research in Florida, uh, more so the South Florida area, Oral sex is very prevalent in the mm. middle school. And guess what else is, is prevalent? Anal sex, because they don't view it as uh, sex. Oh, my gosh. Ah, you know, you know, back in the day, it's like, oh, no, we're not kissing anybody on their penis. Yes. Or, but nowadays, it's it's fun and it's, you know, it's 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 safer to them. But I and, and that goes to that's lack of education. So we have to educate our, our child before they enter the middle school population, because once there they enter, you know, sixth grade, those seventh and eighth graders are going to be after that sixth grader. Unfortunately. Yeah. So, good. OK. I'm glad. Then, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, that's OK. Uh, in the book, I have pictures that show um you know, different types of STDs like genital warts, because I've actually had a version, well, actually several versions to come in and they've had genital warts. And, you know, they say, oh, why did I, how did I get this? It, it, when you get genital warts, you don't have to have per se vaginal penetration, penile mm. penetration. It has its skin to skin contact. Yes. And people when you're just we call it bumping and grinding but I think they call it making out now <laughs> but <laughs> when the genitals touch each other yeah right <laughs> touch each other rub against each other you are at risk for acquiring genital warts and genital herpes so you know education is key and I, I encourage all parents to just get prepared and then for those who are scared to talk to their teen, um, you know, go ahead and, and get the book. I th- that's why I have the student edition. The student edition is actually for the teenager or the preteen. That way, when 
you know, they get ready to have sex, they'll know how to approach their parents. So right. I have the parent guide and student edition. So it's it's very, it's fun. I talk about puberty as well. I talk mm-hmm. about the genitals in the book as well, because a lot of times you don't know the name of your, your genitals. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I've done that, you know, from the very beginning, did you wash your vagina? Did you, you know, I use the, the term, tiny, ain't no poo poo, ain't no la la, none of that. <laughs> and i think that that's important as a nurse practitioner and someone who has studied this is that important to to use the medical term so that they can accept it like what what is your take on that yes i would say you know do what's best for your family but make sure that they know the medical term as well so you know like with my um (laughs) with my son you know i'll say you know did you feel your testicles today Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. everything Hey, and he's like, what's testicles? And I said, your balls. <laughs> uh, so I said, you have to know the correct term. He's like, okay, mommy, okay. Right, right. But, <laughs> you know, just, uh, you know, pointing the two together, whichever term you use, but make sure that they know the correct term as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, my goodness, this has been fully educational uh, <laughs> in these last 37 minutes. And I'm going to let you go soon. A uh, couple more questions. What is your definition of cool? Cool, cool. My definition of cool is is being calm, being patient, being, um, being able to accept constructive criticism, being able to know how to relax, enjoy life, mm-hmm. and... Um, Help others as well. That's cool. Yes. yes. So I, the, I be- basically, you're talking about yourself. Ah! <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But that can be it. anybody. Yeah. That can be anybody, though. Like some if, if, if female or male come in and I see that, like my husband, he's patient. He's calm. You know, he's analytical, you know. But, you know, but yeah, I love him. That's my guy. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so, a beautiful thing. Good stuff. Well, sis, how can people find you and become a part of your movement and, you know, get them to be a part of your Wednesdays to talk about sex and all that good stuff? So give everybody your information. Good. They can follow me on IG at Dr. Katina underscore Dr. K. So IG at Dr. Katina underscore Dr. K. My website, um, Dr. Katina Kennedy. Dot com. That's where I have my health parties, my meal plan, my master classes, um, YouTube. That's where you'll check all my videos out, ladies and gentlemen. YouTube, Dr. Katina, D-R, period, Katina, K-A-T-I-N-A. And um, Twitter, Facebook, Dr. Katina as well. Yes, that's, this has been super fantastic. I really enjoyed uh, your conversation and just really about your journey and how much you love what you do. You can just hear it in your voice. And I'm very, very, the, the, this good earth is grateful to have you upon it. Oh, thank you for having me and participating in promoting health awareness and health education. A lot of, um, you know, podcasts or television, you know, they don't want to incorporate health and wellness, but health and wellness isn't so important. Yes. You remember, you have to take care of yourself yeah. in order for you to carry out your purpose. Yes. Because if, if 
your your temple is not taken care of, how are you going to take care of others? Mm -hmm. So always remember that in whatever your your journey takes you, take care of you first. Yes. Amen. Well, Dr. Katina, I know you got to get back to those amazing patients that you serve each and every day. And I just want to thank you once again for being a part of the Cool Soar podcast. Thank you for having me, Rashawn. Such a pleasure speaking with you, and thank you for all you do. Dr. Katina, everybody. Hey there. My name is Dr. Katina. I am a nurse practitioner, fitness instructor, health educator, author, and I am a cool soror of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Ooh. 